Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe want to get a piece of that. Pretty good. I want to talk about sexy teens. I was getting erections. It's a very creepy feeling. I can guarantee that underwear theft will come up again. None of this is relevant. Pokemon, Pokeballs. 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. We have a winter holiday coming up and that's going to make it maybe particularly tough for me to record because you think, oh, you're not working. You must have lots more time to record the podcast. But actually holidays mean I'm actually doing stuff with my family or we go on trips and things. So it's hit and miss. If I have a couple days off, I can record. If I don't, well, that's just the reality of having a family and having to take care of them. So uh, this is in my mind probably the last podcast for this year going into 2019. So at the end, I want to talk about that because let's just get into some random topics. My thought of the day is that telling someone you shouldn't make assumptions actually ironically includes a lot of assumptions because you're assuming they haven't thought whatever they're talking about through. You're assuming they haven't had that forethought or done any sort of research on what they're talking about because you're assuming that they're making an assumption. There is a very good chance that someone has made the statement, I assume that. But that might be them trying to pull back their statement from being too strong. Maybe they're just trying to be polite. They don't want to come out there with a hard, this is a fact. So they soften it by making an assumption. But when you tell someone that they are making an assumption or that they shouldn't make assumptions, you in that very sentence are making assumptions. So really all I've drawn from this is don't be hypocritical. Don't make assumptions about people who have made assumptions. So I try to edit this podcast a lot because I want to take out a lot of the sounds and I want to talk about maybe some of the ambient sounds that have snuck into the podcast over the course of the year. I try to catch every sniff or burp and we've actually, I've got a joke with some friends. Uh, If I ever need a trap name or a rap name, I have a rap name that we use as a joke and I'm Lily P and that's because uh, it's really hard to make up a name that incorporates the whiteness that I exude. So I am an incredibly white person. I don't go outside. I podcast and I work on my computer because the sun hurts my skin. The existence of me outside in the daytime, it is very similar to what happens to a vampire. I burn incredibly quickly. So we've actually come up with my rap name and it's Lily P because I'm Lily White and my name is Peter. So Lily P would be my first top tier rap name. So there's a lot of rappers who have Lil in their name and Lil seems to be a thing that would make you cool and popular right now. But to make it really true to me and my personality, there's only two that I can come up with and that'd be Lil Sniffs and then the second one, Lil P Burps. I actually really like Lil P Burps as a rap name because it's a little tough to say. You couldn't say it a lot in a row, but if you said it really smoothly, it actually sounds quite good because you have the PB in the same word, little P burps. But because I sniff a lot and actually burp a lot, I try to edit that all out of the podcast, but you will still catch a lot of ambient noise. So I just wanted to explain what you're hearing when you catch those ambient sounds. So there's one, uh, because I'm sitting here talking alone, I actually still gesticulate. I actually use my hands a lot. Now what I found a long time ago, I've tried to stop doing this. I used to rest my hand on the base of the microphone. So I have a desk, I have a tiny mic stand. It's about maybe 30 centimeters tall. And then the mic sits in that. It's a little desk thing. 
Now it's got this little triangular feet and I used to rest my hand on it. I'm going to start doing it right now. I actually am uncomfortable doing it now because I've trained myself not to do it. Because what would happen is I would start to tap my fingers and that would vibrate and go into the microphone whenever I would say stuff. So I've done that a bunch of times. You probably could hear it. I also do the same thing on the table. I won't hit the table, but I will touch the table or when I hit an emphatic word, touch the table lightly. It's a glass top table, so it actually vibrates a lot. So that also vibrates into the microphone and creates a sound. Now we get into some of the weird ones. So I also, I'm sitting in a gaming chair. Now it's a really good chair, but I've had it for a year and a bit and it's starting to creak. So if I lean back, so whenever I lean forward or lean back, you're gonna hear creaking, but it's still a, rel it's still a pretty good chair. So you probably won't hear that too much. Uh, every now and then I will check stuff on the internet. Being a supercomputer nerd, I have a mechanical keyboard. So that makes a lot of sound. That's what I just typed. So usually if I actually go check something, which is pretty rare because I actually make a lot of my notes beforehand, uh, I will type it on that. I realized just recently I have a fairly high-end gaming computer that is liquid cooled that I now basically just use for surfing the internet and editing this podcast. So it's incredibly overpowered for my actual needs. But what I wanted more than anything else was that cooling system. And when I was looking at the computers that I was attracted to, of course, being a manly, manly man, I'm attracted to power. So I wanted a really powerful computer, maybe in case I wanna play games or something in the future, but I actually play almost exclusively on the PlayStation because that's where my friends play. So I've realized since I no longer edit video or any of these other things, I don't really need it. So my next computer, which I'm hoping won't be for another five to six years, my next computer, I actually might get something really cheap. But what I care about most is the actual quietness. I don't want fans. I want it to be liquid cooled or dead silent if possible. Now, I actually did it by accident while I was talking because I put down my pen. You might hear this sound and that is because I have a Boker CID 45 caliber pen and what it is it has a rifle action so if you think about a rifle when you shoot it and then you have to like cock the gun with that little knob on the side my pen actually has the same thing and it is super fun to play with so if I'm gesticulating as I mentioned before quite often I'll do it with my pen in my hand and my thumb rests on that lever and then of course after you start talking you start pushing it into place and then you will click it out of place. So it's a really nice pen, but I have to learn. I've always forced myself to try to put it down before I start speaking. So editing is something I am not actually particularly good at, but I am doing my best to make it as easy as possible for myself by not making any of those ambient sounds. But at the same time, if you catch one, I kind of want you to know what those ambient sounds are. Core question, what does chimpo mean in Japanese? So what someone has tried to do is get people to write penis <laughs> uh, on the internet. So the idea is this is a word. It's actually maybe more correctly C-H-I-N-P-O, chimpo. Uh, and it, yeah, it just means penis. So yeah, I think someone just gets off on the idea of people writing in, typing penis on the internet because ha ha ha, I've made you type in a, a bad word. But that's not even a bad word. It's just a and then a part of the body. So since we're talking about some Japanese about the penis, you might as well also learn that chin-chin is sort of slang for penis as well. So you could hear that. There is actually an izakaya, a Japanese bar, very close to my house that is called chin-chin and is known in this area just because it has a name that is slang for penis. But as something else you should know before you start actually going around using that word thinking you're smart or cool is that that is like a little kid's slang word. So it'd be like going around saying pee-pee. So chin-chin, if you're in the moment, in the sexual moment, you say, ooh, yeah, 
do you like my chin chin or something like that? I don't know if that's what you say. I don't know what people say when they have sex, which I've just realized. So maybe I have to go on the internet, watch some pornography and, and catch some vocabulary. But should you try to use that word in context, you'll actually suddenly sound like you're about five, six years old and talking about your PP. So yeah, that PP's hot. What I think is that the person who wrote the question was a bit insincere because I don't think you write that question without actually knowing what that word means. You're just trying to get other people to talk about it and that would be funny to you. I had some students in a class and they had done this kind of class the year before. Now what they had done is ask their previous teacher what a G-string was and the teacher got all flustered and embarrassed because they were talking about underwear. So I had these same students the following year. I didn't know that story yet, but I had these students the following year and we got to the clothing section where we're talking about what different clothing is called. And so we had shirts and t-shirt and undershirt and all these other words. And when it came to women's clothes, I actually had to check the differences. So I actually had to do a little studying, like the difference between a woman's shirt and a woman's blouse. Is there one? I don't know. So I had to go look up a lot of words. So I was ready to answer a lot of questions because I wanted them to get all the words right if possible. My students decided, oh, we had a really good time last year when we got our teacher really flustered and he turned red and he blushed and he was embarrassed when we asked him what a G-string was. Let's do the same thing to Peter. Ha ha ha. We'll get him. So they looked at me and quite sincerely said, what's a G-string? But as one student said it, another student smiled and tried not to laugh, which immediately indicated to me that they actually already knew what the word meant. They were just trying to get me to talk about underwear and be embarrassed by it. The thing about me as a personality is that I don't get embarrassed very easily. So I started explaining the difference between all the different types of underwear that I knew. So I did women's panties and G-strings and that I did boy shorts and I did granny panties. And just to make sure everyone knew each one, I drew a picture as best I could in a short time frame on the board and labeled them. And then I did men's underwear. I did just regular underwear, but I called them, you know, there's also the slang of tidy whities and then I did boxer shorts and then the sort of boxer briefs that actually have become really popular in the last decade or two. And then I labeled those. So they suddenly in about five minutes had all the underwear I could think of up on the board and labeled. And then I started making them chant all the words to make sure they got the pronunciation right. Because I actually think if you go to another country and you want to be sexy and buy a G-string or you want to be comfortable and buy granny panties, you have to know the appropriate vocabulary so that you can go buy the thing you want. So it's not embarrassing. It's important to know all these words. The fact that we were talking about women's underwear, I'm 46 years old. Women's underwear does not intimidate me at all. In fact, the more I see it and engage in it, the happier I am as a person. So yes, to the person who's asking, what does chimpo mean in Japanese on the internet? I get what you're doing. It's not particularly funny. Uh, congratulations. You've had a couple people write the word penis, and now I've said it orally on the internet. Another question from an actual listener is what conversations have you overheard in Japan when people assume you didn't speak Japanese? That's a really good question because I was here for about two, three years. I studied Japanese in a class uh, every morning for about two years. So I wasn't, you know, really good at Japanese, but I was functional so I could understand what people were talking. And then I started to clue in when people were talking about me. This, at that time, I was about 29 or 30. And what I had was people saying, oh, look at that foreign guy. He's handsome. He's cool. And I felt really good. And then when I turned 31, it stopped. So while I was really happy 
when I could understand what they were saying when they were talking about me because it was mostly complimentary. It seems when I turned 31, some kind of gene or pheromone had either turned on or turned off so that that conversation didn't happen anymore. So people suddenly stopped talking about me being handsome or attractive or something or being cool. And let me tell you, it took a while for it to sink in that I used to hear that conversation and that conversation has stopped. So that conversation now would be almost a dream come true. Now, a decade later after that, that conversation is almost like an idyllic dream that I hope would come true once again. It's a bit of a double-edged sword. Understanding what people are talking about you could be a good thing, but then actually when they stop talking about you, that could be a really bad thing. So it's the end of the year and I decided that instead of doing a story or talking about anything particularly specific, I would just tell you a couple of my favorite jokes. And the reason I, I use that is because I have a weird habit of making jokes last particularly long. So I'm going to just tell you the original versions because when I tell this, after I've had a few drinks, if I tell you these jokes, these jokes alone will take about 15 minutes for me to get out because I will take you on a journey before we get to actually anything even resembling a premise or a punchline. Now, here's one of the weirdest things you're going to learn about Grumpy Uncle Peter, and it's that all of my favorite jokes are actually about bestiality. And another weird thing is that I actually was spelling bestiality wrong my whole life because it's actually spelled bestiality, so B-E-S-T, instead of B-E-A-S-T. So I had been spelling it wrong until very recently. But since this is probably my last podcast of this year, I figured I'd end it off light and easy, easy for me to research because I'm not actually researching it. I'm just talking about something that uh, has always rested in my heart with a grain of joy. So there's two. And the first one is about a young man who joins the French Foreign Legion. And they're out there in the Sahara Desert doing French Foreign Legion stuff. And there's no real war going on. They're kind of just holding a fort. So after about a few months, the younger recruit asked the veterans, well, you know, you guys, when you get that urge, when you get that desire to, to be intimate with a woman, what do you do to, to take care of that? And the older gentlemen look at him and they almost smile and laugh at his naivete. And they say, young man, we have the camel. And the boy's like, ah, oh, well, it's disgusting. Uh, the, oh, I won't do that. And he goes off. And he's actually very offended by the idea of the camel. Then about a month later, the frustration has built in his body. And he comes back again and he goes, look, okay, I, I get it was maybe a joke last time. So, you know, I, I really, you know, I'm finding it difficult to be out here with you guys. Uh, I need some kind of release. What do you guys do to take care of yourselves? And they look at him and go, no, we're not joking. We have the camel. He's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And he walks off. He's like, I just can't, can't handle these guys anymore. They're just, they're just tearing on the new guy. And then another month goes by. And I, Again, this is normally, I would tell you what he does for a month. But another month goes by and he comes back and he's looking at the camel. He's like, you know, these other guys do it. It's clearly acceptable within this social circle because it's not like you love the camel. You're just getting your physical urges taken care of. So he walks the camel out a little bit away from the fort so it's not seen, and he has sexual intercourse with the camel. I'm assuming a stepladder is involved. Then he comes back the next day, and they're all sitting around the fire, and he goes, you know what, you guys, I, I took your advice. I had sex with the camel last night, and it was great. I have to admit, you guys were right. Having sex with the camel was really satisfying. And all the veterans look disgusted. They go, oh my God, 
we take the camel into town. I, I feel like I should insert a laugh track so that people will laugh. I'll laugh. I'll do that. The second one, you can choose which group you're going to disparage. So uh, it usually ends up on Welsh people, but just to mix it up, I'm going to make it people from New Zealand. So uh, there is a researcher and he's researching sheep and he, he's researching like uh, sheep techniques and shearing and, and care and stabling and, and sheep health all over the world. So he goes to a Canadian shepherd and he says, uh, this isn't really part of the official survey or the research we're doing, but, you know, of course we hear that people have sex with sheep. So uh, how, how do you have sex with sheep? Or do you have sex with sheep? And then how? He goes, ah, oh, well, you're out here by yourself. Uh, there aren't very many women around. So yes, it does happen. And the way we do it is we take the sheep's hind legs and we put their feet in our boots so they can't run away. You have sex with a sheep. So the researcher writes that down. And he goes off to Scotland and he does his research about the care, the shearing and all the other things. And again, this is where I make the joke last a really long time because I'll actually try to figure out as many things as I can say about sheep before I get to the sex part. But you're lucky you're going to get the edited version on this podcast. So he goes to the Scottish man. He goes, look, I was in Canada. And he, the Canadian guy was very honest with me. And I have sort of a side question I want to ask. And it's about whether or not shepherds actually have sex with sheep and the scottish guy says yeah you're out here all you have is sheep around you get lonely it does happen because it's sometimes weeks before you go back into town and see uh women or your your family or or anything so yeah it happens he goes well okay how do, how do you have sex with sheep he goes well you take their hind legs you put it in your boots so they can't get away you have sex with the sheep so the researcher writes that down and he goes off to new zealand he does all the research he does about the care the feeding stock bunch of random other stuff that I've now already forgotten. Uh, and then he gets to the question. He goes, so I've heard that shepherds all over the world have sex with sheep. So I'm just going to assume this is true for you. So do you do it the same way? Do you take the sheep's hind legs and put them in your boots and have sex with the sheep? And the shepherd from New Zealand says, if you do that, how do you kiss them? <laughs> this is the last episode for this year. I will see you again in 2019. Some of the things that I want to talk about in the last two months, I have had incredible listener growth, and I assume that is primarily because listeners have taken into sending in questions, there's been more interaction, I've had to help more people tell other people about the podcast. I just want to say thank you to anyone who's done that, I really appreciate it because that growth is really motivating for me. Primarily though, the interaction has been really motivating the last couple months, more people have sent in questions, more people have given me things to talk about, it makes it a lot easier for me to plan out things because as I've said many times, it's 130 some episodes and every now and then I just run out of ideas, I don't know what to talk about, so when you give me something to talk about it just it's a bit of a relief because i know i'm talking about something that you're interested in and it gives me something to think about which i really enjoy i have been considering updates and revamps and things like that i've actually been considering a rename of the podcast in the hopes of just making it easier to remember and more visible to other people so the Velosa podcast it is very much a peter kind of thing to do is come up with the most esoteric name I can, thinking that it's unique and interesting, but then realizing two years later, people don't remember the name. It's really hard for them to share it. So if I can come up with a simple name, I may change the name of the podcast. I won't change the 
podcast feed so subscribers wouldn't go away. I've really enjoyed the last year, particularly because the podcast has grown a lot. I've found new avenues and ways to make it grow myself. I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's listened over the course of the year. If you've listened from the beginning, that's amazing because we're basically hitting our third year. Thank you for listening. Have a happy new year. Have a great 2019 and sexy out, Holmes. The loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Thank you for listening. If you have questions or comments, you can tweet at VelociPeter or email VelociPodcast at gmail.com. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or go to VelociPeter.com slash podcast. And being a supercomputer nude, <laughs> being a supercomputer nerd, I have a mechanical keyboard.